0: He rocked to fame in the Netflix series The Goop Lab as the man who looked like he was performing an exorcism on Gwyneth Paltrow. This is episode 309 with the celebrity energy healer, Dr. John Amaral. The Melissa Ambrosini Show. Welcome to The Melissa Ambrosini Show. I'm your host, Melissa, best selling author of Mastering Your Me Girl and Open Wide. And I'm here to remind you that love is sexy, healthy is liberating. If you want to listen to my episodes one day earlier than they are released anywhere else, you have to download the app Himalaya and follow my show. Himalaya is free, super easy to use and has every podcast you can think of. I love that you can leave comments under each episode and even create episode playlists. Make sure you check it out today. Dr. John Amaral is an energy practitioner, author, and educator who has worked for over 20 years helping A-list celebrities, entrepreneurs, athletes, influencers, and thought leaders elevate their energy so they can feel and perform at their best. He has worked hands-on with thousands of people from over 70 countries, utilizing his energetic flow approach. He is featured in the Goop Lab Netflix series with Gwyneth Paltrow, which most of you will probably recognize him from, and he has appeared on numerous podcasts. He is the founder of the Energy Flow Formula and the Body Centred Leadership Programs, which combine cutting edge neuroscience and ancient wisdom practices to help participants create and sustain new levels of energy, clarity, and fulfillment. And in today's epic conversation, we chat about his background and why he decided to pursue a career as an energetic chiropractor, why he's not your regular type of chiropractor and the secret source most are missing, how to deal with skeptics and doubters, what happens to your body, mind and soul if you don't tap into its energetic wisdom, the three things you must do to release stress from your body, why sound is key for healing, how to heal your lineage and past traumas so you don't pass it on to your children, what nobody tells you about energetic healing, the rituals and practices you must do to protect yourself from energy vampires, how to protect ourselves from the invisible stress and harmful frequencies that we are exposed to every single day, plus so much more. And for everything that John and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes. And that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 309. And before we dive into this epic conversation, I want to read the review of the week. And this week, it's a five-star review titled amazing from Annie Marie. And she says, Melissa's podcasts are truly amazing. I learn so much from every episode. They are life-changing for my health and well-being. I've never found a better podcast than this beautiful angels. Thank you. Thank you, Annie Marie. Thank you so much for that beautiful review. I'm so grateful. And as a little thank you gift, I would love to gift you my wildly wealthy guided meditation. all you have to do is send a screenshot to hello at melissaambrosini.com and that is for anyone who has left me a review please email me a screenshot of it and I will send you my wildly wealthy guided meditation and if you want to get my bursting with love guided meditation please leave me a review on amazon for mastering your mean goal or open wide or both and again send me a screenshot and I'll send that over to you And now let's dive in. Let's bring on this incredible human, Dr. John Amaral. John, welcome to the show. I'm so excited to have you here. But before we dive in, can you tell us what you had for breakfast this morning?
1: Wow. That's an interesting question. I had a Very, very healthy shake, let's put it that way, with everything from hemp seeds to chia seeds to every kind of green algae, almond milk, frozen bananas, frozen berries, all organic, all amazing. That was my start to my day.
0: Yum. I'm coming over for one of those smoothies (sighs) next time I'm in LA, for sure. Sounds delicious.
1: Yes, you're invited.
0: Oh, thank you. So I first discovered you on Goop that's how I came across your work. The type of work that you do, the energy work that you do is very unique. It is very different to anything I've seen before. I want to know, did you always know that you were going to do this work as a child? How did you get into this work? Can you kind of take us back to the very beginning and how this all unfolded for you? And did you know that this is what you'd be doing?
1: No, I had no idea, nor did I have any interest in health like healing or anything of the nature i mean i i grew up surfing and skateboarding and i was a fine artist and i was going to college for drawing sculpting painting i you know i really i had this you know athletic background but i also had like a an artist side to me and i took an anatomy course in college in order to better understand how to draw and paint and sculpt the body And it was a, it was a pre-med anatomy course with cadavers and the whole, you know, like what, what all doctors and nurses would take to, before they go into medical college. And while I was in that class, the instructor was a retired chiropractor. And he said, John, what, what, what field of health are you going in? And I said, no, I'm, I'm actually an artist. And he said, what, what are you, what are you talking about? You're doing so amazing in this class. You're like my best student. He's like, you have to be going into the health field. And he just told me about have you ever thought about something like chiropractic? And I said, no, I didn't I've never been to a chiropractor, never had any experience, never had a massage, never had any kind of treatment or anything for when I was growing up. I had I had no 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 exposure to any of this. And long story short, I just something just felt right about it. And I was like, yeah, I think I'll check that out. And a year and a half later I, you know, I changed my prerequisites and a year and a half later I was in I was in chiropractic college. It made no sense. I'd never been to a chiropractor when I went into chiropractic college. It was one of those divine timing, like synchronicity things that just like what you're supposed to be doing on the level of your soul, just like life just grabs you and just pulls you, you know, where where it needs to pull you. And, and I just surrendered to it. And then I met my wife who was going to uh, into chiropractic college because her dad was a medical doctor. Her mom was a nurse and nothing was really helping the conditions and things that she was going through until she saw a, ch- a chiropractor. And it changed her life, and she went to chiropractic college. She was like, I have to do this. Whatever, this. whatever this method is, I have to learn it. And she's the one that introduced me to more energetic. She introduced me to healing and energy, and, and then I began to experience it for myself, actually, while I was already in, enrolled for chiropractic college. So it's a very interesting story. It wasn't like, oh, I know I have this special gift since I was a little kid, and I always knew and I was drawn to heal people. No, I had no, it it was like, it's not, that's not the the foundation at all. And, and I think that's maybe why I was able to connect with so many people who really had no idea, had no real strong interest in healing, but I could, I could make that bridge between this, this world of, of energy and this other kind of non, the non-physical dimensions and the world of like the three dimensions where people move around and we think everything's physical and material. And I, I, because I came from that and then I made that transition in my own healing and my own journey of healing myself from asthma and allergies and eczema and all this like physical conditions that I had came through first kind of waking up my energy system through chiropractic and through these kind of more gentle approaches within chiropractic. And then having a practice for over 20 years and just developing and learning different skills and and styles and just tracking people through their journey. I I learned so much about the human body, about the human energy system, about what works and doesn't work, why people get hung up, why they get stuck, and how how to navigate them through just about any situation.
0: Your work is so unique. And for anyone who has seen you perform one of your sessions, It looks like some sort of exorcism. Like it really is like nothing you've ever seen before. You're not hands on touching people, and it looks like they are. They're screaming. They're going through a huge process. So tell us about your process. Like what are you actually doing? Because you're not even physically touching someone. Like what are you doing?
1: I think that was the way Gwyneth Paltrow opens up the uh, the segment. She's like, "What in the f are you doing?" You know, (laughs) when you look at the Energy system throughout the ages, really, from way back in the yogic tradition and the and the Vedic texts, and all the way back thousands of years ago, to the Taoist tradition and some of the approaches that that were happening in every, you know, in, in in Eastern cultures in Tibet and Nepal and Japan and China. You see, it like that, across the board, there was some integration of this the the subtle body or the the subtle energy system or the subtle channels whether you call it the chakras or the that they call them nadis in in the in the yogic tradition which is these psychic channels and they say there's 72,000 of these energy channels that travel through the body there's meridian systems when you look at the the Chinese and the Japanese have you know like an acupuncture there are these different approaches that all have similar overlapping principles. And so when I'm working with the energy system, I'm really working with a dimension that is a non-physical dimension that we all have access to. We all feel in some way shape or form, we process and take this this kind of invisible field of energy and information within and all around us and we experience it through our five senses. But it's it's not actually happening on on the physical plane. It's happening Beyond, you know, the beyond the the dimensions that we can even measure, really, because even though there is instrumentation now that can measure, like the electromagnetic field of the heart, we can measure brain waves, different brain waves as people change into different states of consciousness. We have instrumentation that can measure some of these things, but a lot of what's happening on this subtle level, we don't have instruments to measure yet. So, it really, and and I would describe it as how energy and consciousness kind of merge together to form physical matter and 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 influence physical matter and and matter itself the molecules that make up the you know the physicality of the body are only about four and a half percent of the entire universe the rest is all pure energy and even when you look at that four four point six percent that's matter when you really go at the subatomic level that's all pure energy as well so we are made of energy we're surrounded by energy and somehow awareness or consciousness is interacting with and is merged with this energy to form or organize the human you know body and the, and the and the human experience consciousness we don't even really understand what consciousness is they call it in science the hard problem of consciousness because it's like how how is something sentient how is someone able to experience or feel have a subjective inner experience we still don't even know how that really works but we know that we're conscious because we're aware and we know that we're made of energy and we can like move energy, we can draw energy, we can export energy and the game or the, the, the kind of magic of the journey is like how well do we, you know, utilize energy and how well do we increase our self-awareness so that we can, we can really thrive.
0: What do the skeptics say to you? Because I'm sure there's been lots of people that have watched, you know, you perform these videos online, perform these sessions online and even on Goop. What do the skeptics say?
1: You know, I mean, the skeptics say like, this is BS. This is woo woo. Like this, these people are faking it. Let's find a, you know, I mean, if you look at like, I, I worked with a, a friend of mine, Julian Hough, who's an actress and a dancer and, and a amazing just human being but i I did a session with her in davos at the world economic summit with a friend of ours a mutual friend shelly zalis who has uh, something called the equality lounge and we we were doing a demonstration of energy and i was working with her and she lets out a big you know a kind of scream and her body's moving and these people you know this is the world economic you know forum these people are like in, in switzerland right and these people are like what is happening here (laughs) <laughs> and so it went viral. It actually was. It went all over the world, and 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 I mean, I read some of the articles. And I mean, talk about like if you want to really have something like that happen, and then like read all the articles just to get a good like a jolt of like what the skeptics say. I really got like, a good jolt, you know. it's Like they're like, this is this, and and all the stuff around the Goop Labs episode too was like, this is complete wackadoodle. This is there's this is impossible. He's not touching the body. Like these people are either they're they're having a placebo effect or they're faking it or or you know instead of like really asking the question like a a, a true skeptic would actually say i don't just believe this i don't just buy this i need to investigate i want to know more like what are the mechanisms how might this be working is this real so i invite skeptics i i enjoy skeptics especially when i get to work with them and they get to have an amazing experience and then they're like okay okay this actually is real.
0: So what do you say to them? Is is that what you say? You say, like, let me have a session with you so that you can experience it? Or how would you explain it to a skeptic?
1: I mean, it depends because because uh, like you have the skeptics that are really curious, but they're just like, I don't know. I don't get this. Like, I'm curious. That I really want to try this. And you have the skeptics that are just closed down. and And, you know, I don't need to prove myself to anyone. I've worked with tens of thousands of people at this point from all over the world. And like, and I, you know, I'm just, I'm wanting to serve and contribute and help people you know i just kind of it just kind of water off the duck's back whatever so what i would tell someone though who's interested and skeptical and is like how can the body respond and have a movement and the person can breathe and they can emote and have these things happen when you're not physically touching them i mean the truth is how do we know you know like when our body is in a and it goes into a reaction because we're having a a verbal fight with somebody and we're engaged with them when they're not touching us, but we're crying or we're, we're yelling or we're, you know, we're triggered, you know, the physiology responds to subtle vibrations in the field around us. So when we're driving and we look into the rear view mirror and we see maybe like flashing lights and we think maybe that it's a police officer going to pull us over or something, our body might go into a reactive state. Nothing touched us. It's just, just light. When someone's staring at us from across the room and we feel them and we look and yep, sure, they're, we're staring at us. That's been researched.
0: With healing, it's not just about the physical. Like you say, it's about the energetic. We need to go there. So what happens if we don't do the energetic healing? Like what happens to our body if we're not even going to look at the energetic side of things?
1: Well, I mean, since everything is energy and when energy can't move freely, it can't express as emotion. Emotion is energy moving through sound and movement. If energy can't dissipate through some kind of you know, expression through the body, then that energy is going to get bound up somewhere. It's really what happens when we go into fight or flight, when we go into a stress mode. Inside the body, the spinal cord and the nervous system tightens up. And when it tightens up, the cord, the actual extension of your brain that goes all the way down your spine and attaches into your tailbone, that stretches. It can stretch a couple inches or so in an an adult. And when it stretches, it's pulling all the nerves that are coming out of the vertebra, between the vertebra and the spine. Those nerves attach into all the different cells of the body. So when the body goes into stress, we tighten up, we feel, you know, we have names, we have terminology in the culture, high strung, uptight, wound up, we we feel tense, we feel our vibrational state literally changes. It's not just a metaphorical thing, like we're at a different frequency or resonance. It's literal. We are, we are vibrating at a, at a higher frequency, a, a, an irritated, dissonant resonance in our body, and that is associated with changes in consciousness. That's associated with a reduction in our ability to breathe deeply. The body's in this like reactive state and blood flow and oxygen go to different parts of the brain. Instead of going to the higher brain, they go to the limbic system, the emotional brain. And now it's, now it's literally impossible to have an observation of your experience. You're in reaction and you can't watch yourself and go, huh, is this the most appropriate way to be approaching this right now? Because you're triggered. And so the fight or flight state has this whole architecture that happens when we get triggered, and it changes the vibrational state of the cells and tissues via that mechanism of of the spinal cord stretching. So one of the things that I'm helping to do and why that wave and that energy is moving in the body is because we're releasing or unwinding that tension in the physical body, in the physical nervous system. And when it releases, it's going to unravel, it's going to unleash, it's going to move, there's going to be heat, there's going to be sound, there's going to be movement, there's going to be vibration of some kind as the body's dissipating and liberating that bound up energy.
0: If someone can't get to a session with you, how can they release this within themselves? What are some things that we can do to release this stress or adrenaline or trauma that we have in ourselves? How can we do it ourselves?
1: So that was one of the things that that question, which is a great question. That led me to create the that fight or flight to flow challenge that I created for the that's available on my website. People can find it in my link in my bio on Instagram, which is our practices that you can do on your own to help release, you know, energy and move move energy. So one of the things we can do is we can modulate or change our breathing. So breath is a big is a key factor in in modulating or changing our state of consciousness. And then we can also use visualization, we can take a scan of our body. Some people see it. Some people, it's more of a kinesthetic feeling, a knowing. But we can we can start to like tune into our body and sense and sense things, or pay attention, or see visually different our body as not just a solid thing that's uh, that's just like a maybe a shoulder or, or our chest or our hips or our back that we can actually begin to experience. Where in our body do we feel or visualize or see things that are going on with us? And then we can also move our bodies we can move our bodies, whether that's through dance or whether that's through some kind of exercises, not just physical exercise where we're just going through rote exercises, but they're exploring our body through movement. And when you combine those three things, when you combine breath, energy, and movement into a process or an exercise where all of those sync up, you're breathing, you're focusing on an area, you're aware of that area, you're visualizing and you're making sounds and you're letting that energy move and express, you can radically change a pattern on your own. So I made that available for free. People can experience like an aspect of my work by just going on my, you know, just following that that link in my bio or going on my website and doing the seven day challenge. It's free. There's no cost at all. And you can just explore.
0: Oh, that's amazing. I'll link to that as well in the show notes for anyone who wants to check that out. I know for me personally, whenever I'm feeling stagnant, whenever I'm feeling anything, I do that. I do movement and breath. But I don't often incorporate sound. So that's something that I'm going to do is start to incorporate some sound with it. So yeah, thanks for that tip.
1: Let's talk a little bit about that. Why? I think it's important for everyone to know. And I think it'll be important for you to know why. What sound is is allowing is it's allowing dissipation of energy that normally you know, we might move around. We might move our bodies. We might exercise vigorously. We might stretch. We might do yoga. We might do Pilates. But Sound and motion together in an integrated way where the movement and the breath and the sound uh, integrates and you locate and find what is the frequency, what is the vibration, what is the actual sound that my body authentically would express if I touch here, hold here, and, and allow. What that does is it lets your limbic brain, your emotional brain, read the information that's been stored in your body from unintegrated experiences so like let's say you had a a really challenging and dysfunctional upbringing and maybe there was physical abuse maybe there was sexual abuse maybe there was some experience that you had with an injury or something that you you sucked it up you never really like allowed it to express or you did but it's just like your body still feels like there's a tension you can't shake or there's a there's a discomfort you can't quite like get to it's like a it's you can't scratch Well, that's energy that's been bound up and it's been hidden in a way when the way your body hides that energy that is difficult to be with is it compresses or compartmentalizes energy, which is also tied into consciousness. Energy and information are tied together and it's placed or it's held in different regions of your body like it's 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 technically it's called a standing wave. You take a wave of energy that's moving and you compress it into a small space and it has nowhere to go and it's just vibrating like this until at a high enough frequency, it feels solid. And, it, and when it feels solid, now it feels like there's something there. So if people are experiencing a feeling of like a, a ball of energy, just, it doesn't even feel like a ball of energy, it just feels like a stuck muscle where they feel like there's tension. It's this disc in my back, it's this you know shoulder or hip and it's this thing it feels somehow like wedged into your body, you know, like, what does it visually look like? What does it feel like? And people can describe it as a, almost like a separate thing. A lot of times people with chronic pain or an acute injury, they feel like, it's like, uh, it, you know, I'll ask them to visualize or describe what, what's going on. And they'll say, oh, it feels like a hard ball. It's about the size of a, you know, a, a billiard ball, or it's about the size of a raisin or a grape, or, you know, and I can see it, it feels hollow inside. Or I see a color or I feel a scent. And it's like a separate thing that's not even part of you. But what that is, is energy that your higher brain has not been able to stay present with. And what happens is your brain goes, I can't read this. I don't know what this means. Because if I were to feel it, I would have to like actually experience this emotion. Because we take this intense emotional charge that we're experiencing, we push it into an area of the body. So it's not that emotion is just stored somewhere it's energy stored that the brain can't read and so the emotion can't really be experienced so sound actually lets you liberate that trapped energy and finally have the expression of what was never allowed to be fully resolved
0: oh i love this i am definitely going to start incorporating some more sound into my movement and with my breath as well it's so powerful to change the state so what about trauma like You spoke a bit about injury and things like that. What about past trauma and then also like trauma from past lives? Like, how do we release those blocks within our body?
1: Well, I think what's interesting is sometimes the experience of our patterns that go through our lineage, even where it goes back to, let's say, you know, maybe our, our maternal grandmother or, you know, your great grandmother. We can think of that kind of esoterically and be like, you know, this is like a maybe these are, you know, past lives or these are happening in some other dimension. But what most people don't realize is that when your mom was pregnant with you, all the eggs in your ovaries that you carry for your whole life were fully formed before you were born. So, what that means is that when your mom was inside your grandmother, all the eggs that were in her ovaries were fully formed, including one that would become you someday well, she was still inside your grandmother. So that means what your grandmother was experiencing, you experienced by direct biological connection. So it's not just this like, oh, the, you know, these are lineage patterns. It, it really is. So so we can, we can kind of take some of these things that seem so like really esoteric and like out there, and we can bring them into a very real biological reality that, that hey, this is actually, this is epigenetics. This is the field of study where we look at how environment shapes and affects how our Genetic expression actually occurs, and much of what we experience in life, it's not a, it's not about like just what's in our DNA. It's about how that's accessed, what patterns are accessed because of our emotional state, our belief systems, our conditioning, all these things that influence what coding gets accessed. So that's where the power really lies. Here, we can change our reality by changing our emotional experience. We can change our beliefs. We can recondition ourselves to open up to like very new possibilities and that possible. I might have, I know I tangented it off your original questions. If you want to wrap back to that, we were talking about like trauma, right?
0: Yeah. I want to know about some of the other tangible results people get from not only your sessions, but from releasing this energy, this stored energy, stored emotions in the body. Like obviously pain is a huge one. Trauma, like What are some things that you see a lot of?
1: I I think anxiety is one that I see a lot. People that have just a sense of an apprehensiveness or an anxiousness, a feeling of kind of discord or discomfort, like uh, not comfortable with just being in the moment. Like what's going to happen? How's it all going to work? Am I going to be okay? Especially right now, there's high uncertainty for a lot of people, economically especially. You know, so I see that a lot, a lot of anxiety. Definitely depression where people just feel like, a heaviness and a density and a feeling of sluggishness. And they just like, they don't have the energy to, to move forward. I've worked with a lot of people with various types of traumas. I mean, from experiences where they had, you know, physical injuries or physical abuse or emotional abuse or dysfunction, like high dysfunction in, in like in their early life or, or, or they were raped or they were had, you know, were abused as a child, et cetera. And so we, we established these patterns of adaptation Part of that is what I was talking about earlier when you stretch and distort the spinal cord and your body takes on a, an armoring, like an architecture of, of protection and survival. And the physiology changes to where you're reacting to the environment around you rather than consciously making decisions and choices based on feeling open and vulnerable and allowing. And so a lot of the work that I'm doing with people is about suspending that architecture, that, that, that protection it's a real physical and biological thing. It's not just like a emotional thing. It's, 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 it's held in the body. And when you somatically, which is physically release, that energy starts flowing and you help guide someone to be able to connect to that and feel that part of them that was protected, the part that you were like, I'm never going to feel that again. I will never feel that energy. I never want to have that experience. I'm going to check out in every way I can whether that's, you know, smoking, drinking, eating, even exercising, or, you know, people can get addicted to anything to take them out of the state of having to feel something that's difficult to be with. And so you can safely achieve connection and healing happens when you help someone suspend the protection and to themselves with compassion and gentleness and whatever you went through can be released and, res- and resolved and, and reabsorbed trauma can be instantly shifted it doesn't take a long drawn-out process it's as soon as you reconnect to that energy and you're aware that i'm safe and i I'm, I'm okay even though i'm experiencing what i i said on some level consciously or unconsciously i'll never feel that again i will make sure that i do everything again to avoid that experience and what the healing happens when someone finally shifts out of that protective state and they're like oh, I'm feeling this now and I'm actually safe and I'm okay. And now I can integrate it.
0: Beautiful. I've done so much energy healing work over the years because I've known how important it is. I've been doing it for about 10 years. I want to know your work. Do you have to be in the room with someone or can you do virtual sessions?
1: Yeah, I can do virtual sessions. I mean, what's interesting is that, you know, I'm, I'm, such, a, I'm such a kind of science, Nerd, you know, and I started with a very—I was a skeptic of. I mean, still am skeptical. I'm an optimistic skeptic, right? So I'm optimistic about things. I'm like, oh, I wonder, but I'm like, prove it to me. So the U.S. government actually had a program back during the Cold War where they had people that were doing what was called remote viewing, and they would give people coordinates, and they would be able to draw pictures of things that they were seeing like in in like a missile silos and stuff in 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 across the world they'd never been exposed to this they just got the information and they went and tuned into the energy field basically and they picked that up carl jung called that the collective consciousness that there's some collective consciousness that was like available that we could tap into he called it this you know collective unconscious or subconscious and people like rupert sheldrake who's a who's a Cambridge trained uh, scientist and was an instructor at Cambridge in, in the UK he came up with a theory called morphic resonance, which is about again co- connecting into this like this energy field where all the information is stored and that means everything is available from any place so you don't have to be local you don't have to be actually even touching someone the information that you need to connect into if you have the whatever the the, the methodology to do it which everybody on some level does, we can do remote type work. So yeah, I I can actually, I was doing work with a woman, an actress, a well-known actress, just just this last week who had an injury. And I was like, I said, I'll do some remote work with you. And she was like, thank you. And then she like texted me and she was like, I can feel it. I can feel what you're doing. Because I was like re-gritting and going through and feeling and connecting with her as if she was right next to me. And I was tuned into what was going on. And I said, Hey, you know, she had, she had broken some bones. And I said, okay, did you break this and this? She's like, yes. How did you know? She said, sent me the x-rays. And then I said, and then she had a surgery and then they actually put some screws in and she was having a lot of pain. And I said, did they put the screws right here and right here? And she was like, yeah, oh my God, that's crazy. How did you know this? It's like, because you can feel and know it's like, how, how do, how do dogs know that their owners are coming home? There's a, this guy, Rupert Sheldrake, he did a, a research where he, over a thousand dog owners and dogs, and they did randomized things where they would have different cars, the dogs, the owners would come home with different cars at different times. And the dogs would only respond when the owners were coming home with a high reliability. So it was, it was not just chance. So dogs know when their owners are coming home. He also did the research on the sense of being stared at. So people know, not everybody knows all the time, but, but it's, it's more than the chance, significantly more than chance that people know when they're being stared at. So these capacities exist and we can get skilled at utilizing them. And so, like, yeah, that's a long answer to your question, but yeah, absolutely can do remote.
0: Yeah, wow. My husband wants to be, be a remote viewer. He's like, he thinks it's amazing. He's, he's like, that is my goal. Well,
1: there are classes, you know, people can learn it.
0: Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's awesome that you can do it remotely. There's so many pros to energy work, specifically your work. What are some of the cons?
1: That's a good question. I, that's, a, that's an interesting question. I don't know, what are the cons? I mean, I think the cons for some people, okay, the cons are, are for people that have a sense, a gift. They know that they, they can feel things and they know things and they know they have, they can sense things with their hands. They can sense things with their bodies. They get psychic information. Where I see the cons for people is that they get invested. The ego can come in, they can think that they're the hero or that they're gonna like do something, that they're gonna save the person, or they're gonna use their their special skills. And there's a sort of sense of significance that gets like linked in there and the ego that one of the cons is that people can get kind of get tricked into thinking that they're like some, you know, special, really special being because they can they can do this kind of healing work. And that is really a trap that people have to watch out for. It's thinking that I'm, I'm, I'm doing this sort of like thing there's really like we all have the capability we're using forces we're connecting into a field of energy and information and consciousness it's everywhere within and all around us another con is that we can think that not only that we're doing it but we can take on things because we think we have to take away someone's experience so like Someone's suffering, or they're in pain. It's like, okay, I'm going to help them. I'm going to save them. I'm going to fix them, and I'm going to do something to them that's going to remove their experience or help that, You know, that's going to mess you up. So a con would be if you're attached in a way, and I found that that you think you need to make them better. And the truth is, there's nothing to take out. There's nothing to put in. There's nothing to fix. It's like helping them through their experience with more awareness and more compassion, and being able to like gain the gift and the wisdom out of what they've experienced rather than try to take that experience away and i think that if you approach the situation when you're working with someone in a, any environment but in a healing kind of setting where they're opening themselves and making themselves vulnerable to you to like allow you to facilitate them then it's your responsibility to be fully committed to the best outcome and the highest for them and for the world but at the same time you're fully committed to that outcome You're also totally unattached to your heroism or you doing something to make it better. And if you have that combination, you don't have to worry about cons at all because it's always going to be for the highest and best. It's always going to be, you're going to do everything that you can to help them and you're not going to be attached or enmeshed with them. That's what I found.
0: Yeah, because a lot of people listening are coaches or healers and in that world. And something that I hear a lot is that when they're working with people, they're so exhausted afterward because they're taking on board all of their energy. So how can they protect themselves? And this doesn't just go for a coaching healing environment. You know, there's people in your life that you may, you know, maybe it's a family member or a friend and you hang out with them and you leave feeling incredibly drained and exhausted. And like, you've just taken on all of their energy. So how can we protect ourselves so that that doesn't happen?
1: Beautiful question. Energy etiquette is like number 1. It's it's under it's it's really being being very clear and accountable to yourself with boundaries about and a recognition that do I have an investment in impressing this person or having an outcome for them that makes them feel a certain way about me? And if you do, you're screwed right there. You're going to take energy on. That's where you get, you get hooked because it's the ego and it's your identity that's saying, like, I'm going to, it's important for me to make sure they have a positive experience and they feel a certain way. Of course, as a blanket, we all want, we want to help. We want to contribute. We want someone to have a great experience. But that attachment makes it about me. So number 1 you have to like get out of your own way and you have to put all of that self behind you or wherever you represent it and it's like you have to disappear and be there to truly serve them which means you don't really know necessarily what's going to happen but you know it's going to be for their highest and best even if it isn't so comfortable in in parts of it so you get attached and you get drained when you're processing like really the experience and and you're hooked in some way to to the, the the result or outcome that somehow references back to you. And they can, so like when they're talking about it and they say, oh, wow, that was an amazing experience. He was so amazing or she was so amazing. Like if that's anywhere in your field, then you're gonna get drained. Another thing is like some people are more empathic and they take everything in and they sort of really feel and process it through their own system. And they actually work in, in a way to feel that person that they're working with or tuning it into through their own, you know, nervous system and body. And so for those people, like, it may not, it's like being felt or experienced through them, but that may not be about them, but they can still get drained if they don't do the proper self care. So like that means they may need to take a a bath after they work with people in sea salt, or, you know, they may need to do Epsom salts at the end of the day, they need to like clear themselves with some kind of, you know, like in pranic healing, they use uh, like an alcohol spray with lavender, Some people use salt, some people sage, you know, so they may need to do some kind of ritual or practice that is about clearing that clearing out the energy and and releasing it both both energetically, physically and also ritualistically so that they are like leaving that and and dissipating that. So everybody has to like kind of find their way. But I would say more than anything. It's the it's the attachment to 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 being the person that helps this person so that they can have an amazing experience because you want to help them, but that they then have a a, a positive uh, association with you, and whether whatever that is, if it's like then they'll refer you more people, or they'll tell their friends, or they'll have a positive feedback, or they'll leave you five stars, or whatever it is. Whatever that's where the the people get the I would say the most drained and the most hooked. And then there's the people that are just in your life that are like energetic vampires that are sucking they're looking for energy to get a meal, right? Because like they get you hooked, they trigger you and they get, they get fed in a way. So for those people, it's about boundaries. It's about setting boundaries and like clear boundaries within yourself.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I totally agree. There's a couple of things that I do. If I know, say it's a family member, if there is an energy vampire, I either do like a white light protective meditation, which I have them on my website Or I'll protect myself with some essential oils. So just like putting some oils in my hand and then putting them all over my body or just putting myself and visualizing myself in a protection bubble and then saying to myself and setting the attention that this is my boundary and then I can choose who comes in and I can choose if I go out. And so this I have found really, really helpful for those energy vampires and those people that just want to suck the life out of you.
1: Yeah, it's like, a, I love the idea of a semi permeable membrane that's selective, right? That you can allow, right? And and I think like, during this COVID thing, there there was a like a bunch of the Harry Potter movies were playing over and over. And we kind of like, started watching one of them. And there was one where the, the wizard, whatever, Voldemort, the evil guy, he's like, he, he shoots all these shards of glass at the other wizard and he like goes like this and he's like this, this light comes out and all the glass shards turn into like dust. They're coming in like all these shards. And then he just goes just like that. So in a way like these dissonant frequencies, these energies of people like directing and projecting can be experienced and letting it, you know, letting it come through kind of a, a permeable field, but you're selecting what, aspects you can let in and i don't feel so much like you have to you know uh, in most cases like it's not about like creating barriers or walls although sometimes you might need like a thick plexiglass or bulletproof glass barrier with this person or whatever it is but it can be it can be also recognizing that there's a part of us that has that same energy that we're getting triggered by. So it's this person who's so pushy or confrontational, or it's this person who's so weak and whimpering and whiny and victimy, And we're like, oh, it's disgusting. Or the person that's like pushing against, and they're just like pushy, pushy, pushy. And we're like, oh, that pushiness. But we have that energy in us as well. So it's the place where our tuning fork in a way is getting triggered by that energy. And then we can react. So it's recognizing that, oh, I'm getting polarized. I'm getting triggered because that part of me, I'm not so comfortable with, or I don't like. And so we can just even just bring in our awareness and our attention to that within ourselves and recognizing that, oh, I, I, I just got triggered, but it's actually a part of me that I can just assess, tune into and feel and acknowledge, and maybe it's make a sound and let it out uh, within ourselves, and suddenly, there's nothing to protect from anymore. And the person actually actually shifts, changes or just goes away because there's nothing for them to like hook into. So we can do that internal like unhooking by just recognizing that we have that aspect of that energy too.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then going back to using the three things, the breath, the sound, the movement, which are so powerful. And you spoke about some of the most common things, which is about anxiety and depression. I'm sure you see a lot of stress as well, especially living in LA. I'm sure you see a lot of that. And I'm presuming that this same technique that we can do at home of using our breath, using our sound and using movement to release the stress because Now more than ever, we are more stressed than we've ever been. We've not only got the demands of, you know, running businesses and homes, but then there's also like digital stress, the unseen energetic stress that is coming through the EMFs and the radiation. So how can we protect ourselves from that invisible stress that we're all exposed to?
1: You have great questions. One of the things that you can do is, is really unhook yourself from the amount of time in a way that you're sitting in front of a screen. So a good rule is every 20 minutes that you get up for two minutes and you look at least 20 feet beyond you. Because the reason why 20 feet behind is because the eyes are accommodating to these close proximities and it actually is a stress on the system. And there's actually a tremendous amount of pressure as the eyes are are having to hold, uh, all the muscles around your eyes are having to hold like a certain position. So you get up and you move like you, whether you need to set a timer, Or you need to, you know, just like innately do it when your body tells you. But a lot of times people override it. And so they don't have a good gauge even that their body needs to move. So we're sitting, you know, we're we're all bathed in a sea of uh, electromagnetic frequencies now. I mean, wherever you are, there's probably 15 different Wi-Fis that are all coinciding, like in that location. So, you know, it is here. We've done it as humanity. And now we have 5G coming. We don't know really what the repercussions of this, like, increased intensity of microwave radiation is going to do. But we can either like it's happening, so we can either we, we can protest if we want. We can move to places where there's less, you know, proximity. We can also just like do everything we can to fortify our bodies and make sure that we're hydrated, make sure that we're rest, getting, you know, sleep. Turn off your blue light, you know, at, at night. Use your use your blue blocker glasses or put the, your settings on your computers. We are exposed to these these frequencies. But the more in in sync, I think we are with our own bodies, the more coherent we are in our own organism here, the more we can deal with and navigate the challenges in the environment around us. When we get thrown off, because we're out of sync, we're not getting enough sleep, we're not hydrated, we're not meditating, we're not exercising, we're not taking care of ourselves, then we're way more susceptible to these fields that are there. So it's a combination, I think, of like unhooking yourself, making sure you're not just glued to these screens use a standing desk or put an ironing board and put a box on it and put your computer up and move around stand you know stand up more we're not designed to sit for long periods of time and that can be a real restriction in the flow of energy in your body if you're sitting for long periods during the day so move your body drink a lot of water you know eat clean you know healthy organic food vital and alive of food as you can We know the things to do. It's just, are we actually practicing that? Or are we just lounging in this position where we're like this on our phone and we're neck and our body's all tucked in a stress mode. And then we're not exercising, stretching or moving. And then we're like bitching about everything because we're in such a irritated state because our body has been in this stressed state. We we create that posture. It's the same as if a stress pattern is happening from something externally. We create it internally. And if we can create it internally from our own, movements and focus, then we can certainly shift it through our own consciousness.
0: Yeah, I love that. And it really comes back to those simple basic things. Like I think a lot of people, they're like, oh, I want the magic bullet. I want this. I want this pill. It's like, no, no, but are you sleeping? Are you nourishing your body? Are you drinking water? Are you, you know, doing all of these basic low hanging fruit things, you know, wearing blue light, blocking glasses. There's so many things that are so simple to do, but they're also easy not to do, you know? So I love that you mentioned that. So thank you for that. This has been so great. I'm getting so much out of this. I'm so inspired. I would love to hear, is there a book that you would put in the school curriculum of every single high school around the world? If you could just put one book besides your books and any future books, what is one book you would
1: choose? Oh, there's so many. I was moved deeply when I, had, when I had my kids by an author named Joseph Chilton Pierce. He was a childhood educator. He passed away recently in his 90s. And he wrote a number of books. One was called Crack in the Cosmic Egg. And it was about what happens as we evolve as and the way we parent and the way that children evolve as they're growing up biologically, what happens in their brain and bodies and how they get how they get stressed or how we can decrease that stress and allow their, you know, their biological and evolutionary development to like happen in a, in a beautiful way or how it gets stunted. So I think that one for if kids were to even learn, be able to learn about that process of how they are developing, because he talks about in that book, how kids really aren't fully developed in their cognitive capabilities until their early twenties. They're usually about 21. You know, we're still a developing brain. This is biological and and physical and anatomical. It's not just like, oh, some kids are more mature than others at earlier ages. It's true, but the the brain is really developing until the early 20s still. So I think cracking the cosmic egg, he wrote another one called Biology of Transcendence. These are kind of complex and heavy books, but but I think that having that integrated into our education would be would be fantastic. And if all teachers had this information too, and all parents.
0: I love that. We'll link to those in the show notes. Thank you. I'm excited. I'm excited to read both of those books, so thank you for that. Now, I'd love to hear how do you prime yourself for the day? Do you have a morning routine? I know no two days are probably ever the same, but I love hearing about how, you know, people that are successful and thriving, what you do in your day that your little success habits that set you up for a successful day. Can you kind of talk us through a standard day?
1: Okay. So, I mean, I so I get up And I just, usually my, my wife is always up before me because she just wakes up earlier and she's up like meditating or reading and getting work done. I get up after and I just quickly make the bed. I don't like tuck everything perfect, but I like, I I organize it. So it's like, that's a little accomplishment and it just feels like, feels good to me. And then I, and then I'll get up and I'll do, I'll either meditate for, for like 10 minutes or 20, up to 20 minutes. Or I will do a little bit of Qigong. So I'll breathe and I'll move and I'll get the energy moving and kind of stretch my body. I will, I'll do all of that, some kind of movement or some kind of connecting to my body, or I'll walk out into my deck and just, just feel the sunshine or feel the beautiful mountains and then see, look out to the ocean here in LA. And I'll just, I'll just feel that, that connection. And then I might come in and I might make a, a tea or if my daughter, who's my, early 20s daughter who's living with us we'll, we'll, she makes coffee in the morning so like like she's gotten me getting like a oh, a lot of times i'll have a cup of coffee but it's like if she makes it otherwise i don't have it and then i'll check my phone and i'll look and i'll check some emails and i'll, ch- I'll just i'll do like a little check-in but i don't do that like right in the back i used to do that and there's a lot of people that talk about like don't just p- pick up your phone right when you wake up I really had to train myself, but it, it's like, I don't, I don't start looking at that phone and looking at emails and things like that for at least, you know, half an hour after I, I get up in most cases. And it's really changed. It changes the rhythm of the day significantly. And then I'll have a, I'll have a shake I'll my breakfast or I'll have some eggs. And then sometimes I will, I will read or start working on some project and I'll, and I'll attempt, if I, if I don't have things scheduled, like if I if I'm not going right into uh, appointments or events or something, then I will go right into what I would call deep work. I would just like focus on something that I can spend like a couple of hours on, and not not checking my phone, not not checking emails, not getting just dist- you know just doing like you know my best to keep the focus and turning off you know distractions so I can get some some things accomplished. And then I might even do a workout, you know. So I might do a twenty to thirty minute workout at that time early in the day after I've digested my whatever I ate for breakfast. And then, and then usually I'm, I'm, I'm moving at that point. Like I might have, you know, appointments throughout the day where I, I go to people's like different celebrities, entertainers, different people's homes and stuff. So I'm driving around to different people in LA sometimes, or I'm doing an event or someone's flying in and I'm going to a hotel and I'm spending like hours with them. And then I'll, I'll, you know, I'll come home and eat some food and, kind of discharge and do some reading or do some you know, connecting and hanging out with my wife. And then I'm usually in, uh, in bed at this time, like before midnight, I used to be like a person that pushed it to late, 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 but now it's like 10 30, 11 is like, i like to be like in bed by then, you know, in most cases I can be, but I used to be really, 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 I've been pushing it at night where I'd be like one thirty, two in the morning, two thirty in the morning that is just that that's not that's not the rhythm for me it's not it's not sustainable for me so I want to get that like seven and a half eight hours of sleep if I can so that's kind of like a a, a, how I how I flow through the day
0: yeah awesome I am way in bed by then I'm in bed at like eight o'clock I am such a nana like I am a grandma I just love it so much
1: I felt you when I'm like like ten eleven thirty you know by midnight you're like oh wow i'm I'm asleep for four hours,
0: yeah, exactly, yes, so awesome, thank you for sharing that. I have three rapid fire questions for you now. Are you ready? I'm ready, okay. what's one thing that we can do today for our health?
1: I mean one thing we can do is is connect and and connection is is accomplished through like we talked about breath, energy, movement like bringing presence to our body, touching our body, feeling what's there, visualizing, feeling, sensing, making sounds, allowing ourselves to be in sync with the rhythm and the energy of our body. People can do that by taking my free challenge. That's the way they can learn how to connect. But connection is number one.
0: Amazing. What's one thing we can do for more wealth in our life? So more abundance in all areas of our life.
1: Yeah. I mean, for for wealth and abundance, it's about uh in my experience it's about opening up our capacity to to receive checking out like really our our our, our constantly like uh, kind an of up leveling our our ability to receive and assuming that we're like someone who's already wanting to contribute and help people and add value then it's allowing like what what how big is the aperture that we that we have open to be able to receive and and i have a, a very wealthy uh client who said like she always saw it as like a as like the the kind of her her wealth ceiling and walls and she always checks to this day she checks and sees like oh like is that ceiling coming down a little bit is it higher or are the walls pushing in a little bit and so for me it's like kind of an aperture and then it's just like checking in just like self-worth you know do do i feel like i really in a way deserve or am am truly you know worthy of whatever it is and so self-worth and and an ability to receive for me
0: so important and what's one thing that we can do for more love in our life?
1: Love. You know, we love, you know, that you, you want more love. It's like you give, you give, you give love. You, you, you love yourself, like be more compassionate with yourself and and recognize you're just, you're doing the best you can. And you just, and you just forgive yourself when you, when you screw up and, and you know, you are like, oh, you know, forgive yourself and then forgive those who, who, who trespass against us. Right. It's like, it, it looked like how fast can you truly just recognize that you've somehow had to experience this or or in a way attract this experience because because that's the journey of your soul that you're on and for some reason this had to happen or wouldn't it happen that's how you know so how fast can you you forgive instead of blaming the other person and projecting out to say it's like if they wouldn't have or if this wouldn't happen you just be like okay like i totally forgive and i and I give it up that I had to experience this or I wouldn't have. And like, how fast can I move on?
0: Yeah, beautiful. I love that. This has been so insightful and awesome and so inspiring. I feel incredibly inspired to do all of my own personal energy work and take that to another level. Is there anything else that you want to share or any last parting words of wisdom or anything that you didn't get to talk about that you wanted to talk about?
1: I mean, I think, I think in, in, in sort of conclusion, you know, we are, we are infinite beings that are experiencing this, like this dimension, this incarnation, you know, right now, nobody really knows. Nobody has the answers. There's nobody outside of you that's going to tell you how you should do it. What's the right or wrong thing. Definitely, you know, we get attracted to different like mentors and guides and advisors, et cetera. But ultimately when it comes down to it. It's, this is a a journey of discovering who we are and who we're not and remembering our, you know, our nature, which is, which is truly transcendent of any like identity, any like person you were told you were supposed to be or should be. And when we open up and we, and we make the journey about learning how to like utilize our energy in more effective ways and exploring energy and exploring self-awareness and reading and learning and growing, then. We we begin to in a way remember faster who we really are. So just rather than trying to like you know just crunch time and try to get more done and try to you know be somebody more important and significant, if we focus more on how we're utilizing our energy and how aware are we and how compassionate are we with ourselves and others, we're going to contribute to a world that that people really belong to and 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 are and are happy to to contribute to. So. I think we can those are the those are the consciousness and energy are the two things that we can really that it's our substrate with which we're creating with. So and then the, then the question is where are we and who are we? If we're creating out of conscious we are consciousness and we are energy and we're creating with consciousness and energy, then like what is our true nature? And that becomes a much more esoteric and a spiritual question, but I think that's where it leads us, right? As we continue on the path.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. You are incredible. I have loved this conversation so much. Next time I'm in LA, I am coming to have a session with you. I would love to experience it. Sign me up, that's for sure. You help so many people. You are of service to so many people with the work that you do. How can I and the listeners give back to you? How can we serve you today?
1: I mean, I think what what, you know, we're, we're all instruments here uh, uh, to contribute to a an up leveling or or a, a raising or elevating of of the consciousness on this planet of humanity and i think what everyone can do is is truly do the work of of increasing your self awareness and and looking to to really use your energy in effective and powerful ways we're all going to mess up we're all going to like do stupid things we're all going to have addictions and things that would like take us off the path but it's like how fast do you get back on and how fast do you start Contributed and creating value and doing something for other people that's truly actually to help. So I think what people can do is, is, is live their gift and, and explore and discover what their, that gift is and, and, or at least like attempt to and just move in the direction of helping other people. And, and that would be a, a huge service to me to help me on, on what, what I'm here. I'm here to do because every single person that elevates their consciousness, there's a, there's a, a counterbalancing effect that you just one person at a super high a fully realized being that's operating at an extremely high level of consciousness would counterbalance maybe close to 100 million people who are at a very low consciousness and that's how it sort of always worked throughout you know history there's like super highly evolved conscious people so the more conscious we become the more we counterbalance out all the crap that's going on of people that are more lost and in pain and in reaction and in rejection and and, you know struggle and we can actually elevate or lift everything up by just raising ourselves and everyone else gets affected or impacted by that ripple effect
0: absolutely it comes back to us it does we have the power it all starts with us we need to take responsibility for how we're showing up in the world for our own healing and when we do the world is changed So if everyone just took responsibility, like it'd be a very different place. So I want to encourage everyone to do their own work, to take responsibility and that watch the ripple effect that happens from that. So John, thank you so much. This has been incredible. I have loved getting to know you and hearing your wisdom. Thank you for the work that you do in the world. And I can't wait to see you in LA when I'm next there.
1: Yes, can't wait to see you. So look me up. Let me know when you're headed this way. Thank you.
0: Wasn't that awesome? I love his perspective on things. I love energy work. It's such a huge piece of the holistic puzzle. You can't just look at the physical. You've got to look at the energetic. So I hope you guys got a lot out of today's episode. If you did, please subscribe and leave me a review in iTunes or on your podcast app because that means that we can inspire and educate even more people together. And it also means that you could potentially be the review of the week for next week, which is pretty awesome. Don't forget to come and follow me on Instagram at Melissa Ambrosini and tell me your top key takeaways from this episode. I love reading everything that you get from these episodes, so please come and share them with me. And for everything that John and I mentioned in today's episode, you can check out in the show notes, and that's over at melissarambrosini.com forward slash 309. And before I go, I just wanted to say thank you so much for being here, for wanting to be the best, the healthiest, and the happiest version of yourself, and for showing up today for you. You rock.